This is Workers' Comp Matters, hosted by attorney Alan S. Pierce, the only legal talk network program that focuses entirely on the people and the law in workers' compensation cases. Nationally recognized trial attorney, expert, and author, Alan S. Pierce is a leader committed to making a difference when workers' comp matters. Well, welcome to Workers' Comp Matters here on the Legal Talk Network. I'm Alan Pierce. I'm a lawyer who handles workers' compensation cases, and I've been hosting this show for several years, and we've talked about a variety of issues arising out of uh, the workers' compensation system. We have a guest today that's been on once before. I'm very happy to have John with us. Uh, John Gelman is probably the most prolific and well-known uh, writers and blogsters on workers' comp. He is, uh, in addition to that, a nationally recognized uh, trial attorney, author, and lecturer. He has a practice in New Jersey. He's been at it for over 30 years. He's been involved in complex litigation involving asbestos, tobacco, lead paint, he uh, has authored the New Jersey uh, Compensation Law text and the co-author of a national treatise, Modern Workers' Compensation Law, published by Wes Thompson. He's very active in a variety of bar associations. He's former vice president of the Workers' Injury Law and Advocacy Group and a charter member of the College of Workers' Compensation Lawyers. John is going to talk to us today about health care and workers' compensation and health care, and more specifically, occupational disease and, and a pilot program or a proposal to carve out of the workers' compensation system the delivery of medical benefits in occupational disease. And this is a particularly relevant topic, uh, not only today in the general sense, but as we are recording this show, uh, Massachusetts elected Scott Brown to replace Ted Kennedy in the U.S. Senate, and many around the country have seen this as a referendum on the Obama health care plan. And so we're going to talk a little bit about how workers' compensation may or may not fit into the bigger picture of universal health care uh, or health care reform. So, John, welcome to Workers' Comp Matters. Thank you very much for inviting me, Alan. Well, let's talk a little bit about this uh, pilot project. Tell us a little bit about the origins, where this came from, and why uh, is it applying to occupational disease claims and not traumatic injury claims? First of all, Senator Baucus's occupational health care program has the potential for being the most extensive, effective, and innovative system ever enacted for delivering medical care to injured workers. Occupational disease has been an add-on to workers' compensation claims. The Act was evolving since 1911. It's been a noble experiment for 100 years. We've allowed the states to try to work on it. We, the federal government has tried through various programs, the Black Lung Act, the Energy Employees Compensation Program, the Victims' Compensation Fund from 9-11, the Smallpox Emergency Protection Act, and we've even dabbled in trying to set up a program for asbestos litigation, and all of those did not meet the mark. So we are now facing very increased costs, and the Markowitz study in 2000 said the direct costs are over $51.8 billion for hospital and physician care, and workers' compensation is only covering 27% of the costs and the rest is falling upon the taxpayers. So the system is just not working. It's not delivering the medical care, and it has to be reworked. 
and the Bacchus proposal through the Libby Care uh, Manager's Amendment in, in its envisioned prodigies will embrace more exposed workers, diseases, and geographical locations than any other program of the past, as, and an ancillary benefit will be the integration of this system with CMS, CDC, that's the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, the Centers for Disease Control, and for the, into NIOSH, for the National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health, for workers' safety, for organizing and collecting data research and preventing exposures from occurring and figuring out how to treat them when they do occur. Right. In, the real very world, innovative okay. system. in the real world, to me, as a lawyer representing injured workers, what is this going to mean for my client who comes in uh, with an occupational disease such as asbestosis, borreliosis, uh, asthma, or silicosis, or some of these um, uh, exposure claims? It is going to provide an effective way for delivering medical benefits in an efficient fashion without delay and denial that now encumbers the workers' compensation system. Now the employees are coming into the system without a safety net except for Social Security. And Social Security is taking a bigger burden of the medical issues now because as people get older, they are prone to more disease and disability, and uh, people are living longer and working longer, and more chronic conditions are prevalent in old workers that need treatment, and the system of workers' compensation is just bogged down with hurdles now that didn't exist before. There's been a change in complexity and what conditions are compensable. There's difficulty proving what what diseases are workers' compensation. We can't use historically what we did use. We used, if you saw a marker of fiber, such as asbestos, then you could say it was work-related. There are no markers. There are no signals. There are no sentinel epidemiological or pathological signals. It's so complex at this point that we're using and exhausting ourselves, chasing ourselves around the corner, trying to prove these cases. And then on top of it all, the claimants never get medical care. They wait and they wait and they wait, and the window of opportunity closes on them. And it's a burden both for the employers, the employees, and for the taxpayers of the country. So we really need to shift. And uh, the Bacchus proposal it seems like a rare opportunity to do it. All right. Where is this, the Bacchus proposal now? First of all, this is Representative Bacchus from Montana? This is Senator Bacchus, Senator. chairman of the F Senate Finance Committee. And at the close of the debate, the manager had the opportunity under Senate rules to offer amendments. And one of the amendments he offered was the Libby health care plan for his constituents in Libby, Montana, who were exposed to asbestos fiber. Historically, in 1881, gold miners discovered vermiculite in Libby, Montana. And in 1920, the Zonalite Company started mining vermiculite, which contains asbestos fiber. W.R. Grace bought the factory in 63. The mine closed in 90. EPA, that's the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, visited Libby in 1999 and declared it to be a Superfund site in October of 2002. Libby's mines, through W.R. Grace's work, belched 
over 5,000 pounds of asbestos into the air and around Libby, and the residents were exposed and the workers were exposed, and um, there were no medical benefits for this poor town and this poor community. So uh, Bacchus put, Senator Bacchus, uh, the chair, put in through this mechanism called the manager's amendment at the last moment, modified the bill. And the and bill that was modified is the um, Obama Senate bill. The Senate bill. And the Senate bill is kind of primed to go through at this point because the Democrats' plan B is just have the House approve the Senate bill, don't compromise it, send it right through. And if it does get adopted in that fashion, then this program gets adopted. And the provision is important because it's going to provide vital medical services for people who are, who are suffering horrible effects from their exposures to deadly poisons. And it has extreme ramifications because of the mechanism of the program. And the mechanism of the program is what? Medicare? The mechanism of the program authorizes screening grants to diagnose people with a condition. And then those who are diagnosed are permitted to enter the Medicare system for services. And not only will it affect the Libby people, the prodigies are set up of the program to enact pilot projects. And why Libby was designated specifically is because it was declared a Superfund site. It's the first that had a public health emergency. On June 17, 2009, the um, secretary declared it to have a health emergency because of this, this environmental toxin. There are 1,700 designated Superfund sites, and the pilot project authorizes more of these sites to be brought in to the program. But additionally, more importantly than that, the the system is now funded under the Act to provide flexible benefits and services, innovative reimbursement methodologies, and so that CMS now can collect data, epidemiological and diagnosis data, on all of these people who have been exposed, put it into the research network, and then come back to the workers' compensation system to collect reimbursement. This was a proposal that was made by John Burton, a noted uh, workers' compensation researcher at the NASA meeting in Washington in November, who was doing some research for Social Security. And it seems like a very even flow of, uh, of legislative development to permit this to go ahead. You won't have such a bumpy road that you have now with the CMS reimbursement problem because it would be taken out of the workers' compensation system. They would be able to go directly against the carriers or employers for reimbursement. And, and the workers will get treated, and the employers will be hopefully happier that their employees are going to receive the medical care that they need on a current basis rather than wait five or six or seven years. It's happening in some jurisdictions at this point. Now, will a claimant have to qualify for Medicare in the usual way? In other words, be out of work and qualify for Social Security disability for five months no, and then wait two not. years? No, they will not have that delay at all. What they will do is undergo a screening um, a process through the plan. And the screening process will then diagnose, give them a diagnosis, and then that diagnosis will afford them the opportunity to seek benefits. You know, 99% of occupational deaths and 93% of occupational medical costs are not compensated at this point. 
based on 1999 statistics. And 50% of your medical expenses are incurred within the last year of life. So there's a huge amount of medical cost shifting that's occurring, and there's a lot of medical treatment that's not even being afforded because of the delays in the system. Now, some critics of this proposal might suggest that this type of pilot program is the nose of the camel under the tent. It's the first step in segregating all medical benefits out of the workers' comp system and perhaps leading to the demise of the state-based workers' compensation systems as a whole and replacing it with a grand federal model providing not only medical care but uh, uh, disability or indemnity care. Has this been a, uh, um, uh, an area of controversy? I think that it is an area of controversy. I think that people are concerned. But occupational disease is, is the prime target of this, not the traumatic injuries and not the temporary or medical cash reimbursement benefits. Um, what they're looking for is how to treat the people, how to create a safer work environment. You're dealing with a whole scenario of new occupational diseases that will be coming over the hill, either nanotechnology or the PBA in plastics or the phylates and fragrances and cosmetics. There's many, many more, and we can use the we can learn from the mistakes of the past on what didn't work and try to develop a system that will work in the current um, current knowledge base. In other words, the Industrial Revolution has now transformed itself to a more service-based economy, and the exposures have changed. And um, the, the taxpayers cannot afford to uh, assume the burden of this through an indirect Medicare secondary payer system. They need a better way to capture it. And it will, in actuality, if it works out all right and it goes smoothly, then the pay and chase modes that are now being uh, followed through the CMS system to recoup benefits and worry about future expenses will not even exist in workers' compensation and will be removed. They'll bring it back to the medical providers and take care of it initially and remove that delay tactic that's being imposed upon the workers' compensation system and the burden that's been shed upon it by CMS, and it just crippled it across the whole country. And what will be the mechanism of uh, whatever authority or um, uh, agency? CMS will be setting up a new program similar to Medicare secondary payer, but they'll be paying the money initially. So by paying the money initially, they will be controlling medical treatment and they will be controlling the financial collection of data initially. And then they could seek reimbursement if it is related to compensability. John Burton suggests that we go back to the standards used in 1974, which would permit reimbursement if it meets the state government's model criteria for compensability. Um, there'll have to be some standard that we're not fighting it out litigiously in workers' compensation for medical benefits because it's just too costly and it's not providing the benefits to the workers in an efficient and effective manner. Well, will the battleground for reimbursement be at the local industrial board or agency, or will it be at the national level? It would be at the national level as to compensability um, and whether or not it would fall within the criteria. I assume that the secretary of health and human services would establish by regulation. And what happens when there's a conflict between a state agency determination of compensability and the, the federal determination? For example, That's a very I bring a, 
I bring a claim for indemnity benefits and I either win or lose. What effect does that have on the uh, access to medical care for my client? Right now, that's what's really occurring. There's a battle on the state agencies where we used to settle the cases and not try them. And now we're forced to try them all to get an adjudication. By system, The system is not set up for trials. It's set up for a 1% trial ratio, not 99% of the cases being tried. So everybody who's Medicare eligible becomes uh, a problem. I think that the if it's done administratively, it'll be a lot smoother, and there'll be criteria established. I mean, the, the, main, the, the main goal here is really for the federal government to create a safer work environment, not to, not to have to pay for unsafe work environments. So by increasing the ability of NIOSH and OSHA to make a safer environment, you'll have less exposures going, you'll have fewer exposures going forward. So right now, this has not been enacted or there's no pilot program established. It is part of there's the... There's no pilot program established, but the, but the remediation in Libby has been ongoing for at least a decade at this point. And they have an idea based upon um, what the medical criteria has been there, what that site would look like. But if you project it to any of the other 1,700 sites or project it to other sites that the, that the secretary may designate or to industries, um, it will it, it'll produce some statistical information that's not available at this moment. I suspect that industry is as interested in solving this problem as labor and workers individually are in the medical profession because occupational disease was put into the acts across the countries in the 40s and 50s when silicosis was a problem and everybody was trying to cap liability and cap exposure. Well, the cap never occurred, and what happened was the workers' compensation systems got mowed under with tons of occupational claims, and the liability system got totally overloaded so that in the last 20 years, multi-district litigation still hasn't resolved several million work, uh, occupational exposure asbestos cases. So we learned from the past that that's not the procedure to do it. In. That just wasn't effective. It didn't produce what we needed done, which was to provide an efficient and remedial um, compensation basis system to provide delivery of medical care to injured workers. That doesn't help anybody, it doesn't help the workers, and it doesn't help the employers, and it doesn't help the taxpayers. So we definitely need a better system. The question is how to do it. Occupational diseases are very elusive. They're very difficult to prove. They've been a headache forever. It could happen any one of the 280 average workdays, the entire workday. There's no specific time involved. They're very difficult to prove epidemiologically. It's very complex. You're meeting many hurdles, including pre-existing and co-existing diseases, um, problems such as obesity, age deterioration of backs. There's a whole gamut of evidence-based problems proving workers' compensation claims, which are really burdening the system. We could add more judges, but that's not going to really move it faster along because of the complexity involved. Everyone's going to be a nightmare. Where is support for this uh, proposal coming from? Is, it, is organized labor weighed in? Has the insurance industry and I the employer community weighed I, in? I think organized labor would like a universal health care plan altogether. Uh, not only occupational disease, but everything. 
Um, I think they see a complete failure in the workers' compensation system. The AFL-CIO seems to have backed off from having even an occupational safety and health uh, program. Uh, they're, they're not uh, advocating for it at this point. I think that a, um, the automotive industry proved that it's too expensive to run health care uh, through workers' compensation. So, so then um, you look for industry itself, and industry doesn't want to take the financial burden of all of this. Uh, they would like the problem solved, too. They're not, they're not the bad guy all the time. Um, they don't have the knowledge. It's the manufacturers and suppliers and chemical groups that maybe had the knowledge or didn't have the time to adequately or completely uh, review the products before they went out there. Um, I think that they're interested in it. I think that uh, insurance companies would be very interested in it because they don't want to get involved in long and litigious battles that are going nowhere. Um, but they're but causing an economic strain on the entire system. It's just it's just you can't burden overburden the system, and we have overburdened the system due to complexity at this point. And at this point, we're going to take a quick break and come back with John Gelman. We'll be right back. Coming soon, you can listen to Legal Talk Network shows and get CLE credit at West Legal Ed Center. Stay tuned. A video settlement documentary is a powerful tool. It can turn your plaintiff's case into money at the settlement table. Call the professionals at Skyways Communications at 781-551-9960 to find out more. Don't miss out on the latest in new media marketing opportunities for your firm. Contact Deb Curran at 781-551-9960 and learn all about the Web 2.0 revolution. Handle more cases with existing staff. Abacus Law Workers Comp Specialty Version gives you immediate access to your party, claim, injury, coverage, medical treatment, and statutory limitations information. Your staff will be more productive and you'll deliver the best client service. For a complimentary no-obligation demo, visit abacuslaw.com slash podcast. That's abacuslaw.com slash podcast. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to Workers' Comp Matters. With me today is Attorney John Gelman, and we are talking about occupational disease and a pilot program to better manage medical costs associated with the occupational disease issue in the workplace. John, we were talking about uh, the legislation uh, or the amendment to the Senate health care bill uh, filed by Senator Bakker of Montana. Uh, tell us a little bit more about some of the other issues facing not only the federal government, but industry in gathering the appropriate data on occupational disease costs and uh, the ability of the injured worker community to get access to proper medical care. Data is critical in evaluating the problem, both on a uh, legislative basis and an operational basis, provide benefits, uh, epidemiological basis. The Bureau of Labor Statistics uh, used to try to collect data. However, the question is, is it garbage in, garbage out? What garbage is being reported? What data is being reported? OSHA comes out with a census every year of occupational uh, claims and occupational exposure. However, um, Recent reports by the New York Times 
and Nebraska Appleseed Report on meat packers have indicated that through fear and intimidation, employees are afraid to report the claims. They are harassed by employers if they report claims, and they are encouraged not to. And you have a body of undocumented workers who feel kind of threatened by it. Um, on the other hand, you have the NCCI, which is the insurance company rating uh, system for probably over 30 jurisdictions, and they have not released the data that they accumulate on a regular basis. So it's like the fox watching the hens in the barnyard. We really don't know what the accuracy is. But a, a national program would provide the collection of data. And with the collection of data, you can, you can accumulate more information on epidemiology of causal relationship of exposures to disease, diseases to medical, needing medical monitoring, and diseases that could be prevented. And that's the whole basis of the system would be to help eliminate the exposures to begin with and making the workplace a much safer environment. Well, I think we all can support that goal, and I will be watching uh, the development of this amendment and this issue with interest as nationally we continue to focus on how do we de deliver health care to the public at large uh, uh, in addition to our clients, uh, the people that work for a living and, and are injured on the job. Uh, I want to close. I, I was reading your blog, and you, you quoted um, um, uh, an attorney, Valerie Johnson, who, who, who said something that resonated with me because I was drawn to workers' compensation. She said workers' compensation is supposed to be a simple system. And, it, and when I started in this practice, and I'm sure when you did, I think we started probably around the same time, it was so much more simple than it is today. And as you so uh, succinctly put it on your blog, that process has now been obstructed by encroaching elements of fault, contributory negligence, apportionment of pre-existing conditions and difficulties of the elements of time manifested by latent diseases unknown to the fathers of the system a century ago. The advance of medical science has brought forth new and innovative modalities that have contributed to soaring medical costs, and the convergence of these issues has generated higher administrative costs. And in addition, uh, I will just add, it's generated higher levels of delay, frustration, uh, litigation, and unfairness. And uh, I think all of us, no matter whether we are active practitioners, passive practitioners, uh, I think we all want a system that is simple, that the uh, employer collects the dollars, an insurance company pays out the benefits, and the time between those two is as short and as conflict-free as possible. Um, any final thoughts, John, before we sign off? No, I agree with you. I think that in order to make the, the workplace a lot safer, we have to have a better medical delivery system and a, a much more simpler way of doing it. Well, thank, thank you, you once for inviting me. Well, thank you for joining us. Um, I've enjoyed this. Uh, I enjoyed speaking to you about this issue. Hope to learn more. And uh, thank you all for listening. I'm Attorney Alan Pierce. Hope you go out and make it a day that matters. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Workers' Cop Matters today on the Legal Talk Network, hosted by Attorney Alan S. Pierce, where we try to make a difference in workers' cop legal cases for people injured at work. Be sure to listen to other Workers' Comp Matters shows on the Legal Talk Network, your only choice for legal talk.
The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.